Welcome to the Run Nerd Library Podcast, a podcast for those who eat, sleep, breathe, train, think, talk, and read about running, and those who are curious. I'm the host, Don Hahn, a self-proclaimed run nerd. I consider myself more of a running enthusiast than an expert, fueled by coffee and blind optimism. This podcast will feature running experts talking about their books and enthusiasts like me who are here to discuss their books with them. Whether you're listening on your commute or on your run, we are happy to have you here. This is a special episode of the Run Nerd Library podcast. In today's episode, we are going to celebrate the 69th anniversary of Sir Roger Bannister running a sub four minute mile, a barrier that prior to that day was believed to be beyond human capability. Since then, many men have gone on to run sub four. Um, Today, we're going to talk to three guests and get their perspective on this event. Uh, The first guest that, that I'll talk to is author Neil Bascom. He's a New York Times bestseller, and he's the author of The Perfect Mile. Neil will be on a future episode of the Run Nerd Library podcast that we'll release in June, where we'll have an in-depth conversation about his book, The Perfect Mile. Also on this episode is author Todd Corbin, mindfulness coach and author of Mindfulness for Student-Athletes. I'll have an episode coming up with Todd, and that will release on May 9th. And finally, we're going to talk to the American record holder for the mile. Very excited to have Alan Webb on this episode. And he's going to give us his perspective as a very fast individual on what the record, what the achievement meant um, and still means today to everybody who endeavors to run fast. Thanks for joining us. And... Listen all the way through the end for a special challenge issued by Runner Library. In this first audio clip, Neil Bascom gives us a description of the kind of man that Sir Roger Bannister was. You have Roger Bannister, right? Uh Went educated at Oxford, uh, was this sort of pinnacle, the amateur athlete, you know, the sort of effortless superiority. The fact the idea that, that one was to perform great athletic feats, but not look like you're trying very hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically for, for Bannister, what that meant was that he was not a full-time athlete. He was a part-time athlete. He was a full-time student, uh, you know, doctor, learning to practice medicine. Uh, and so his training was, you know, a half hour during lunch or an hour during lunch, he would bop out to the Ifley Road or to the track near his uh, St. Mary's track near uh, his hospital in London and, and do laps around the track. Uh, and it was much more intense than that as time developed. But when you look at Roger Bannister, you look at that kind of individual. So- um, in this next audio clip... Neil revisits the unique experience that he had in being able to walk around Ifley Track, the site of that sub-four-minute mile, with Sir Roger Bannister himself, and the conversation that they had while they were circling that oval. Take a listen. As as you talked about 
Sir Roger Bannister and and uh, you you I, I get the image of the two of you walking around that track and mm-hmm. and he's probably recounting to you that day right like the the day where he's out there for the time trial and and they have the pacemakers ready to go and and the crowd is is around him and uh, is this going to be the day and uh, absolutely I, yeah. yeah I mean you know pointing to the you know, the flag, uh, which still flew there, um, yeah. which was the sort of determinative, uh, symbol of whether or not the wind was dying down and they were going to be able to do it on that sort of windy, rainy day on, of May 6th, uh, 1954. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, what was nice about interviewing him and essential, as I said, is that, you know, you find when writing these histories that the people tend to tell the same stories. They, they have a talk track in their heads mm-hmm, about how mm-hmm. this unfolded and what happened. Yeah. And to, to walk around with Sir Roger on that track and be like, what were you thinking here in yeah. lap two, right? Which yeah. no one had asked him in 50 years, surely, right. if even then. And, you know, and you, you had mentioned, Don, about feeling like you were there. Yeah. Uh, when reading it. And I was only able to do that because I was able to ask Sir Roger and, and Wes and, and John, um, you know, what were you thinking, feeling? What was your body yeah. doing at this particular moment? And for them, this seminal moment in their lives, they, they still remember it. I mean, that banister yeah. could talk about almost each and every second of that race 50 years later. Here in the final clip with Neil Bascom, He talks about the setup for the perfect mile, the showdown between Sir Roger Bannister and John Landy. Bannister breaks uh, the four-minute mile on uh, May 6th, 1954. Mm -hmm. Six weeks later, uh, in Scandinavia, Landy uh, breaks four minutes. I think it was 3.58.2 or something along those Mm -hmm. lines. It's a... been 20 years since I wrote this. Um, and <laughs> the memory um, still holds that's, you know, that's correct. Moi le deluge is, is, was the expression that I think the banister said, you know, after me, you know, the flood of runners who are going to break four minutes. But the fact of the matter is banister broke four minute mile in a paced ra- paced, you know, run, you know, mm-hmm. he had two runners with him. Um, so some people called into question, you know, I think, illegitimately, but there was called into question, you know, was that a legitimate run? Um, and I think in the minds of, of these athletes and many in the sport is, okay, well, you both broke four minutes, but who's the best, Mm -hmm. you know, in face-to-face competition. And what is remarkable and, and the title of the book, the perfect mile is not actually about banister breaking four minutes. Um, the perfect mile is about a race in Vancouver at the empire games where Landy and banister face off against each other. It is, it is one of the most remarkable mile races you'll ever see. My guest in the next audio clip segment is Todd Corbin, mindfulness coach and author of the workbook, Mindfulness for Student-Athletes. Todd will be joining me for a full episode of the Run Nerd Library podcast, which will release on May 9th. In this segment, I ask Todd to review the YouTube videos of Roger Bannister's 359 effort on that that, um, 
glorious day when he when he broke the four minute barrier. And um, in that video, uh, you can find several different video clips. One is from the BBC. There are others. Um, Bannister talks about how he felt on that day. And I asked Todd to reflect on that from a mindfulness coach's perspective and, and give us some insight. So listen and hear what he has to say. Todd, on May 6th, 1954, one of the greatest feats of human achievement took place. Sir Roger Bannister bested the four-minute mark in the mile. Uh, he, he ran under four minutes that day. Uh, up until that point, it wasn't known if it was humanly possible. And that there was uh, there was further room to grow at beyond that. So um, we've recently had a chance to rewatch that video of, of Roger Bannister on that day, breaking that that barrier. Uh, kind of talk to to the audience, to the listeners, about what you noticed from from hearing Roger Bannister talk about his own race and what you saw in that video. Yeah, what what most impressed me was the capacity how he understood what was happening in his mind. He had such awareness of his thoughts going into that race that he was able to not get hijacked by his thoughts. And it's easy to do, right? If we get a thought, oh, it's not working out. You know, the pace is going too fast or they're not going fast enough. And oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do. He noticed it, but then he was able to allow whatever was happening to keep happening because he was able to kind of disconnect, unhook his thought from that and just keep racing. And he talked about it. It was, it was beautiful the way he described. He's like, you know, I'm, uh, my mind is here. My body is here. And I'm just enjoying the race. I'm running. He was like, oh, I'm, I'm like, it's almost like he was lighter when he was running, he's like, oh, there's not much effort going on. And you could tell when he said something like that, he was more in flow with just being in his body. And that was just, but what most impressed me and why he was able to accomplish it, I think, is he had such a great awareness. And obviously he was a doctor. So I think his mental ability to kind of think through things and reflect was enhanced and so when he was able to race, he, he had that same ability to kind of look inward and just allow and just let go. Rounding out my trio of guests on this episode is Alan Webb, a man who knows something about running the mile very fast. Alan and I get into a number of topics about Sir Roger Bannister's efforts. Uh, we talk about competition. We talk about the shoes and the the training methods of um, of Bannister's day and how that compares to today. And we also tackle the the idea of after me the deluge, after me the flood, that Neil Bascom talked about in one of the earlier segments. Um, as Alan provides some data some data that's out there that you can review for how many people have broken the mile, um, the four minute mile in just the last year. So listen to Alan Webb. Uh, coach Webb is the head coach for track and field cross country and swimming at Ave Maria University in Florida. And he is the American record holder for the mile since 2007. 
I'm here today with American Mile record holder, Alan Webb. Good afternoon, Coach Webb. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, happy to have you on as a guest here. Obviously, very impressive uh, stats that you have in the in the mile of as one of the top runners of of your era and of all time. It, current American record holder at a time of. 346.91. What I wanted to talk to you about today was uh, kind of through your personal journey with the um, anniversary of the sub four minute mile coming up this weekend. Love to get your perspective on what that meant to you to get to that sub four minute mile between Santee and Landy. Um, can you put some perspective for the listeners on, on what that piece of history means for you as American record holder? Well, it's, it still rings with a, a lot of importance even now. Uh, you know, so so many men break four minutes in the mile every year now. It is still an impressive accomplishment in, in the modern track era. Uh, sort of, uh, I, I see it as kind of like a, like a rite of passage, so to speak, from for the elite male middle distance runner to, to break four minutes. And uh, there's athletes that do it at the high school level every year now. And, you know, I, I, the big thing that, that happened, you know, when you saw, when you saw Bannister do it in, uh, you know, uh, it's, it'll be uh, close to 70 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, that, that after that happened, uh, it, it sort of became uh, routine. Um, uh, and uh, this, the same thing happened. Uh, at uh, at the American high school level, you know when I when I broke four minutes. Uh, now, you know, looking back, almost twenty years since that happened, mm -hmm. uh, a, a lot of high school uh, a lot of high school men have have done that at the high school level, and so you can sort of see the importance of kind of breaking those barriers uh, from a physical and mental perspective. You know, because it's, it's it's always it's always a combination of those two. You know, mm -hmm. both physical and mental uh, barrier, uh, the barriers. And, you know, he, he did that, you know, for the first time, uh, for the, you know, for the world, you know, to, yeah. to, 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 to do that. And, um, and we can, we can, we can all look back and say, wow, this, this, this man did something that nobody's ever done. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's still, to me is, is, is it, a really impressive record because of, uh, you know, the way, you know, knowing how he trained and knowing the circumstances that he did it, who knows what, how fast he could have run, uh, if he was sort of living today, you know? Right. Uh, and it, I think that's, that, that shouldn't be, uh, overlooked, uh, when, when you, when you see his, when you look back, uh, you know, 70, you know, because sixty nine years sixty nine sixty nine this year yeah and if you think about while he was while he was training for that attempt he was also a full time medical student um you know i think part of the lore of of his his um setup and approach and and uh, attempt was you know at the same time he was doing all these other things like you mentioned he wasn't uh, he wasn't wearing uh the modern equipment or training under modern techniques uh this was a lot of experimentation and and pioneering um i think so uh, kind of thinking of it from that perspective does that in your mind 
make the feat even even more meaningful or is it just a sign of the times that he he worked with what he had no it makes it meaningful it, it definitely makes it meaningful and uh you know the, the you know when, when you're on the sort of the cusp of what's possible for a human being you, mm -hmm. it, it, you're in this sort of this sort of uncharted territory and you have to kind of explore you know like what what hasn't been done before and roger bannister did that you know and he they didn't know everything about about uh you know training techniques and and, and recovery times from workouts and you know biomechanics and and, mm -hmm. and the, the different therapy and recovery techniques that that uh that you can do to help improve your performance they didn't know all that stuff he was he was he was one of the ones that that, that helped figure that out <laughs> you know and yeah i mean aside not, from aside from like if you think about modern attempts at you at, at testing the human condition um obviously kipchoge with a sub two-hour marathon just a couple of years ago he had so many of the advancements we're talking about he was following the uh, uh, electric powered vehicle that was blocking the wind. He had a group of pacers as did Bannister. Um, but he also had the, the Nike, uh, the Nike um, alpha flies that he was wearing. And uh, so there, and um, prescribed fluid intake and, and everything else that went along with it. So we're talking about really scientific development of, uh, of a, a feat like that going for the sub two hour marathon and comparing to Bannister, like you said, with with his prevailing training of the time, um, I believe he was also a smoker, which you know kind of flies in, against the the wisdom of of athletics these days. Um, and and the shoes that he was wearing, uh, essentially, what appeared to be like cardboard with with uh, nails sticking through. Right, these were not comfortable yeah. shoes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so like thinking about that that that's pretty amazing. Um, to see two instances of human um, abilities being tested with two very different sets of variables and inputs. In. Is that sort of the, the future or what do you think look the, um, that will look like in the future? I, I do. I, I, and I think that you're, you're, you're seeing it, you know, year by year, mm -hmm. uh, just the subtle techniques that, that, that are being employed to, to get those, tiny little slivers that are sort of left yeah uh that to to push the envelope uh because it's it's sort of a lot of this is the the hidden mystery has been revealed mm -hmm. uh, and so you're, you're you're getting to the to the really to the margins of of what can happen and so it takes even you know the there's the margin for error is so so small uh and you mentioned the shoes and and, and the pacemakers um uh there's also uh you know there even within for, for the pacemakers you know they have uh the the, the use of of pacing lights on the mm -hmm. track mm -hmm. has helped kind of I, I think has helped the most recent uh World records, at least in the five and ten, kind of squeak out just just a second or two mm -hmm. over a five or ten, uh, which is so much in in those events uh, now. Um, 
you know, and, and you mentioned the shoes and there, there is, there is, there has become sort of limitations that they've placed on the shoes, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how fast, how much they're going to let that progress, you know, the, like the stack height and, um, small nuances, uh, yeah. you know, regular sort of regulations within the shoes just because they, you know, they, they, they don't want it to become a contest of shoes. They want it to be the athlete more important more importantly but but there there yeah there still still could be some imp- improvements there uh even within those limits uh um, that they've that they've that they've set out so yeah i think that there's you know that that precision uh in, in uh that precision is definitely you're gonna see you're gonna see that and uh it might even be some of it's behind the scenes with you know the you know recovery stuff and mm-hmm. um you know biomechanics you know so, in, in just searching for, uh, you know, even better, you know, training plans. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I think that you'll also see some of the training uh, um, benefits to all of this are, are what will show sort of over time, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, the athlete's ability to, uh, to train at a higher level because of all of this, mm-hmm. you know, and so it might not be reflected in one particular race, but over time, you, you can see the training benefit from some of these things, uh, and you'll you'll see improvements, you know, uh, slow uh, sort of over the, the longer term, as 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 those uh, sort of techniques are are employed with um, the athletes that come up during that time. And and that's that's a good point. And I wonder, like, as you, as you think about Bannister, he had Wes Santee and John Landry clicking at his heels. I mean, it was a three-way race to, for those guys to get under four minutes. And two of them eventually did. Santee, um, his best time was, was four flat. Um, no slouch, but, you know, I don't think that was what he was attempting to go for, um, no. obviously. So... So you think about like that competition, that level of of drive, external drive from people who were like minded trying to accomplish the same thing as 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 Bannister was. How important of a role did that play in your success? And what do you think that looks like for up and comers? Um, obviously, like uh, Jacob Ingerbitson um, is pretty. I mean, he's he's not far far off from the world record. Um, you, we could we could speculate as to whether or not that's a reality um, in in his lifetime or not. Uh, Jared Naguzi, um, another uh, fantastic mile runner. Um, what what does that level of competition do in that kind of heated race? It does it does a lot. It does a ton. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at uh, you know you just mentioned those three men that were kind of battling it out, and I think it helped to have those guys sort of. Keep, sort of competing against each other even though they, they didn't even race each other that much uh but they were just hearing of it you know just yeah. having that tension there was helpful and so it you know and when you have a kind of a, a flock of men all trying to do it um then they're helping each other sort of essentially pacing each other even when the pacemakers come off you know and that's mm-hmm. if you watch if you watch Tishan Mel's Garouge when he set the world record in the in 2000 you know, he had no and Yen pushing them the last lap. And I, 
I, he, he might have still broken the world record anyway, but I don't know if he would have run. He, would, he might not have broken it by as much if he didn't have Noah right there the whole last lap. Okay. So, yeah. you know, having this uh, critical mass of people doing, you know, uh, you know, just competing against each other is really important. I mean, last year, 90 men broke four minutes in the NCAA mile on the descending order list. And this year, 97 men at the NCAA level broke four minutes on the mile indoors. 97, 97 were wow. almost to they, almost a hundred men. Yeah. At the NCAA, that, that's just the NCAA level. I, I didn't even look at, at, at division two or three or the NA, uh, division two or three yet, but you can go on Tifers and look and number 97 ran three fifty nine eighty nine. Wow. So, you know, that's a lot different. Even from my freshman year in college, when I was at Michigan, mm-hmm. I like eight guys did it. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I think if you ran four flat, you got into NCAAs or four hundred one. Yeah. You still got. It. Uh, so it's it's come even just in the last twenty years, it's come a long way. Unbelievable, isn't it? And and you look at like you mentioned high school. Um, I think it it had been. Oh, 20 years or so between the last time someone broke four miles and when and when you were able to as a high schooler. Um, and then you went on to to break Jim Ryan's high school record for the mile. Um, is there is it is it the allure of the mile now? Um, so many people do. And it certainly we talked about some of the training and the competition and things like that. But is, is there something else driving that where all of a sudden you go from a handful of people doing it uh, even just 15, 20 years ago to a hundred people doing it in indoors this year already. You said there, well, indoors is over now, but a hundred, almost a hundred people did it in indoors this year. So that's, that's a big leap. What is, what is accounting for that in your mind? I think it's clearly the the shoes is a huge, huge thing. That's, uh, that's well, it's well documented. The, 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 introduction of the carbon plated shoes mm-hmm. as has has been the biggest the biggest change i mean it's so clear that those those shoes are are, are have caused this mm-hmm. uh this the biggest increase you know i think there are other things that i mentioned that yeah. that have helped but but those shoes are just incredible uh i mean i'm 40 years old and i put them on and i'm like wow this is amazing <laughs> You know, um, I, I mean, I can't, I can probably bar- barely break five minutes for the mile now, but, uh, you know, it, it, they matter so much and, and you know, yeah. uh, and, uh, so you're seeing, you're seeing that, that that's where the biggest increases has been. And I don't think anybody that that's ever run in them or, or seen people seeing this dramatic increase would, 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 would argue hard with me on that one. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen it personally. I'm I'm nowhere near even a five minute miler at, at at 47 years of age. Um, hoping to get back into the sixes. Um, I'm recovering from an injury, um, but hoping to get back into the sixes um, before too long here. And I know just from even at, at my level of of competition, um, I have a pair of Alpha Flies that I wear for marathons, and I have another pair that's geared for the 5k 10k and and you could definitely feel uh you can feel a, a difference in that push forward on every step so it's it's been pretty amazing even at my level um yeah yeah um so let's let's speculate here if you don't mind um 
do you see that world record being broken? Uh, what's your time window for, for when that happens? The world record? The world record, yeah. I I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Ingebrigtsen might be able to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I, I'll say that, that despite the shoes, yeah. the shoes are helpful. Yeah. Um, I will say that you can even you can you know once you get down where it's that fat where it's so fast mm-hmm. that it's like those records are so fast that even with the shoes it's hard <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah so there's still like an unknown there that uh that i i can't necessarily uh say for you know like give you like a timeline yeah. you know I, I, I won't put it past you know ingebrigtsen you know i wouldn't be i'm not saying he couldn't do it yeah but 343 <laughs> is awfully fast <laughs> it's so fast <laughs> yeah and, and, and like I said before about the margin of error, like you, you, like even with, you know, pogo sticks on your feet, you know, <laughs> you still have to have all like everything be perfect. Right. Still, right to get there. So uh, it, it's it, there's still other variables that mm-hmm. need to happen to get to that point. So. Um, all right, so we're not gonna get it. We're not gonna get an estimate out of your guess here on when that's gonna happen. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I mean, I I would just be you know shooting with my eyes closed, yeah. you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, <for sure. laughs> so like I I really can't can't say for can't say for sure because you yeah. know because it hasn't been done yet. But you know, Ingebrigtsen is is doing is doing so well, and even even the goose, you know, yeah. Could, has a chance to break my American record. I yeah. think that he's got a really good shot at doing it. So, um, but I, I, I'll say that w- when I looking back at my own fastest times, mm-hmm. sometimes I wondered how I did it myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I don't. It, it was just God's providence, yeah. <laughs> you know, just lining things up just right for it to happen. So he's going to have to line it up for anybody else is going to have to, that, that wants to run that fast, you know, cause it's, it's yeah. just, you know, when you get down to those, those speeds, it, yeah. it just has, everything has to go right for it to, for it to happen. Do you, do you go back to that day in your mind? Do you replay that race in your mind and, and kind of think through everything that happened? Um, uh, what, what, what is that memory like for you? <laughs> That that one was a pretty vivid memory, and I, I can kind of recall yeah. sort of almost each I don't know each step, but I can kind yeah. of I remember uh, with somewhat clarity of what happened, pretty much each lap and how it felt, and uh, just the feelings that yeah. feel, the feeling I had. And I'll just say it was a special day for me, and I know that uh, I was very grateful that day, for very sure. very grateful, and. The competitor in me wanted to keep wanted to get faster, but it just didn't happen. And I, you know, I yeah. kind of fell down the mountain quickly after that. And uh, uh, but I had a lot, like everything went right that day. Uh, you know, all the prep leading up to it, and it's just, uh, just, just a, a very, very special day. On, yeah, and that day you got the exact result you were hoping for, and uh, still stands today. So that's that's super impressive. Um, if there comes a day 
when the American record falls? What would you like for your successor to know? Um, wh- what would you share with them in that transition to to from your you holding the world the American record to them holding the American record for the mile? I'd want them to recognize that everything that they were given was was a gift to them from yeah. the Lord. Yeah, that all gifts from God. Everything that happens, the circumstances, your training, the people that helped you along the helped you along the way, uh, the your own work ethic, um, everything, every last bit of it is, is, was, was a, is a gift. Uh, and, uh, to, 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 uh, to be grateful for that, for those gifts and just, and just recognize that those are gifts from the Lord, from, from the Lord. And, uh, that would be what I would say. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a great message. Great message to share with them. Um, I know you're you're busy coaching the athletes of Ave Maria University, um, and I do appreciate you coming on to take some time to chat with us today. Uh, any parting thoughts? I'll just say just a thank you to Roger Bannister uh, for uh, breaking some barriers for all of the modern milers, and uh, just thank you for having for having me on. After listening to our guests, the listeners are no doubt inspired and chomping at the bit to go out and test your own athletic abilities. So I'm proposing two challenges for you. The first is find a track to go to. It doesn't have to be a cinder track like the one that Roger Bannister ran on. Any track will do. Tracks these days measure 400 meters. Uh, You'll note that in Roger's day they were measured in yards, but uh, today they're measured in meters. So if you're going to run on the track, keep in mind, lane one is 400 meters. So the first challenge, let's get down to it. So Roger Bannister ran the mile in 359 on the day that he broke that barrier. What I'd like for you to do is set a timer for three minutes and 59 seconds. Go to the start line of the track, hit the start button on your timer, and see how many laps you can get around in that time frame. See just how far you can complete, how many meters you can run in three minutes and 59 seconds. The second challenge, and it doesn't have to be the same day, is to go out and run a mile and see what your fastest mile at time is. Keep in mind that a mile is about 1,609 meters. So if you go around the track four times with in lane one, that's 1,600 meters, you're gonna be about nine meters short you'll need to measure out that additional nine meters. And then report back to the Run Nerd Library about how you how you did on those two challenges. And uh, hopefully we'll have some fun with this and you'll be able to test your abilities. Thank you for listening. This has been a very special episode of the Run Nerd Library podcast as we celebrate Sir Roger Bannister's feat from 69 years ago.